I'm excited about sharing the word that God's put on my heart this morning. Uh, thank you, Lord. Whoop, there we are. <laughs> Fantastic. Have you ever noticed that there's always someone who's willing to tell you what to do? There's always someone who wants to tell you how to do it, what to do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. There is always someone. And if I had the kids in here, they'd be like, yeah, my parents, they're always telling me what to do. Clean up my room, put things away, put that on the table. Can you get this? Can you do that? There's always someone telling you what to do. Does anyone have that feeling sometimes? It's, it's maybe your parents, maybe your, your school teacher as you're going through school. Then you have, have a boss who tells you what to do. A spouse, I was about to say. Um, and then... I guess the reality is, for many of us, as we age, that maybe our kids start telling us what to do. And let's be honest, maybe once, as soon as they're one, they start telling us what to do. It's like, Daddy, no, don't do that. Give me the chocolates, Daddy. (laughs) Or whatever it might be, there's always someone who's telling us what to do. Like, go out and buy tons and tons of toilet paper. Or whatever other crazy thing it might be. And that's going to be my only mention of toilet paper for the rest of the service. There's always someone with some crazy theory trying to tell us what to do. And it's bizarre sometimes. Sometimes there's wisdom in it and we need to listen to it. When God tells us what to do, we need to listen. And there's going to be people in our lives, let's be praying, that will tell us things that are good and godly and wise for us to listen to. So often those voices... Sometimes we should listen, sometimes we shouldn't. And then there's even those moments where, you know those, those moments when you have a decision to make and no one will tell you what to do and you hate it? It's like, I don't want to have to decide this. It feels like every way I choose, there'll be someone disappointed. I'm going to let someone down no matter what I choose. And those moments can be really, really hard. The title of my message this morning is Break Free to Run Live and communicate truth. Break free from all those voices. Break free from all those ideas and and crazy, way out, wacky ideas. Break free from all of the noise in your life that you would be able to run, that you would be able to live, and that you would be able to communicate truth. Who knows that we need to break free from the noise sometimes? You know, I'm, I'm taking Caleb camping this afternoon. We're going to break free from our normal routine. We're going to break free from the noise of our family. Because let's be honest, it's noisy sometimes. We're going to break away. We're going to get away and just have time, just the two of us. And it's something we've done with all the kids as they go into grade prep. And we, we go away, just them and I, and we go camping. You go off in the mini together. It looks really cute, I reckon. And, and we go and camp somewhere. We do a bit of fishing or whatever else they want to do. And, and we break free from the noise just to make sure that they can hear me communicate that I love you, I care about you, I, I want to I hear what you're saying. And God help us in, in the busyness of life to break free from the daily grind of what we have to do to hear from God, to know what He's saying to us, to, to know that we are loved by him, that we would be able to run and live and communicate truth. We've been looking at the book of 2 Timothy, and I want us to turn there 
as we continue to look at how God has transformed us and wants to transform us continually for a glorious purpose. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. If you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to open it up and read it together. It says this, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word of God. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. I love that phrase. Keep your head. Like when everything's going crazy, when everyone's doing stupid things, keep your head. Don't lose your head. Don't forget you have a brain. Think about things. Don't go crazy. Don't listen to every idea. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship and keep your head in the hardship. Don't forget that God's still in control. He's still sovereign. He still loves you. Keep your head. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. Paul knows he's about to die. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, for which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul says to Timothy, in view of his appearing, in view of his kingdom, Timothy, you know Jesus came for you. Jesus came and established his kingdom upon the earth. You know these things, Timothy. In view of this, I just want to, before we get to what he says next, I wonder for us, in view of his appearing, in view of his kingdom, the fact that we, we know Jesus came, we know he's established his kingdom, in view of that, How has that affected our life? How has Jesus coming affected your life? I wonder if if I gave you a chance to, to write down everything you could think of. I wonder what you would write down about how Jesus appearing, his his life, his his coming, his his death, his resurrection. I wonder how Jesus has affected your life. Now, I mean, what, number one, I think we could all write down, I'm sitting in church today, Andrew. <laughs> I think we probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus coming, his appearing, his, his, his kingdom. And on Wednesday, as I was preparing my message, there was all these wheelbarrows and, and trailers and utes and people walking past with wood chips and, and doing pruning and washing things. And, and there, was, there was some people here on Wednesday that were doing things. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, they wouldn't have been here if they didn't know Jesus coming and his appearing, his kingdom. And on Wednesday, Wednesday night, no, Friday night, that's when we have kids and youth stuff, uh, we have all these people here running programs and doing things and, 
And this morning, those that are listening to the podcast now, because you're not able to be in here, you're out there running Kids Church and Bub's Church, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be doing that if you didn't know Jesus had come and established his kingdom and died and resurrected, that we could have new life. But I wonder, in what other ways has Jesus coming, his kingdom, affected our lives? He wants us to call on him, to know him in our everyday life. For every single one of us here today, that's his desire, that you would know him, that you would, your life would be affected by him. But Paul goes on and he says, in view of his appearing, in view of his kingdom, Timothy, preach the word of God. You know Jesus, you know he came, you know he died, he gave his life, and then he rose again victorious. You know this, Timothy, preach the word of God. This is the hope of the world, Timothy. Preach the message about Jesus. Tell people, Timothy, don't shrink back. Preach the word of God. And I think his message to us is the same. Church, preach the word of God. Preach it, teach it, tell people, and and communicate it in whatever way you have opportunity to do. I think preaching encompasses so much more than just standing on a platform and, and giving a sermon. To preach is, is to impart, it's to live it, it's to tell people, it's to communicate it through our lives. And God wants every single one of us to preach the Word of God. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, He has called you to go and make disciples, to teach people the truth about who He is. And He goes on and He says, Be prepared in season and out of season. He says to correct, rebuke and encourage with a little bit of patience. No, with a whole lot of patience. Because who knows, it's hard dealing with each other sometimes and helping each other understand things is difficult because we all have so many preconceived ideas and thoughts about everything, don't we? Well, maybe it's just me. (laughs) Are you a little bit difficult to get along with sometimes? Are you a little bit difficult to hear someone else's point of view sometimes? With great patience and with careful instruction he doesn't want us to just you know have our favorite three bible verses that every time someone has a problem it's like well it says in john three sixteen, for god so loved the world andrew it's like we shouldn't just have our favorite three scriptures that we always come back to like great if you have your favorite three scriptures but he wants us to know the word of god he wants us to know him he wants us to study his word that we can with careful thoughtful this teach and encourage each other in the word and i want to encourage you if you don't feel like you're good at that well maybe you're a little bit feeling like you're out of season but begin anyway and grow in that and become prepared get more equipped to teach and to preach and tell people the hope you have come on friday night hear about creation hear about the flood hear about the scientific facts that back up those things He says to Timothy, correct. You know, sometimes, I'm going to say, I don't think there is ever a time when it's fun to correct someone. (laughs) Maybe if you have a really little bit of an anger, bitterness thing going on, you might like to correct someone, but I don't think it's ever an enjoyable idea to have to bring correction. So much easier if we just all get along and agree with everything. But God wants us, Paul encourages Timothy, correct 
people with God's word. Tell people the truth. That's why it's so important for us to do life together, to, to be part of a life group, to study the Word of God with each other. It gives us opportunity to discuss and communicate and bring correction sometimes. Sometimes it's even a rebuke that we need to say, no, that is not right, you, you can't say that. Sometimes we need a rebuke, a reminder that that is not right. And I thank God that that there are people in this place that when you hear me say something and you think, hang on, what's Andrew on about here? That some of you will actually come and see me through the week and say, hey, Andrew, you know when you said that on Sunday, did you mean this or did you mean that or what on earth were you talking about? (laughs) Because, you know, I am not infallible. God's Word is infallible. His Word is truth. But we need to listen carefully to what people are saying. And that includes me. It includes your best friend, the person who brought you to Christ. We need to be careful what we listen to. And we talked about a few weeks ago being ones who encourage, like Onesiphorus, who sought out Paul and encouraged him when everyone else had, had left him, that he was one who came and brought courage. Let's be people who preach the Word of God to each other and encourage one another. It would bring courage to other people. You know, at, at this point in, in my life, I, it's a, a busy season. There's, there's six kids in our home. We're trying to get renovations done to our home. We've got the state kids and youth training day, which I'm coordinating next weekend. And we have the state conference, which is here this year. We've got Easter and an AGM and there's life happening and issues happening with different people and different things in life. And in a, in a sense, I could say, I think, God, this is a season to not take on anything new. I ain't going out of my way to preach anything, Jesus, because this is just a bit full at the moment. And maybe your life is in that stage. But over the last three years, God has had put something on my heart that, that we would have an opportunity, that we would be able to do something as a church at Easter time to reach out to our community. And I don't understand God's timing of how He allows things to come together sometimes. But God has just stirred my heart about this, and as I've chatted with different ones over the last couple of months, there's been an idea stirring that I want to share with you this morning. Not because it's the perfect season for me, but because people need to hear about Jesus. People need to come in contact with Christians who love Him, who know Him, who want to tell them about Him. So in a few weeks' time, we're going to have an event Because our mission, (laughs) I forgot about that slide, is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is our mission as a church. We want to live it. We want to communicate it. We want to preach it with our lives. We want to preach it with our words. We want to tell people about the hope we have in Him. So we're going to have an event in a few weeks' time called the Big Easter Family Picnic. And to be honest, it's really, really simple and we don't have to do too much at all. Praise be to God! Thank you, God, for your wisdom and grace in this idea. We, we have families who come to MOPS. We have families who come to Kids Inc. We have families, that, uh, the, the young people come to youth, and they, even the young people come to church, and that, their, their families don't come. And we want to invite all those families to come to this big Easter family picnic. And it's BYO picnic. You can bring whatever you want to eat, and uh, bring your own rug, bring your own chair, and we're just going to get together down at the Botanic Gardens, have a big picnic, we're going to supply some sports equipment and some egg and spoon races, and we're going to have a heap of fun together. You can bring your footy if you want to or whatever as well. And we're going to have an awesome time just gathering together in the name of Jesus 
celebrating that he came for us and we're going to have a heap of fun. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt and just throw Easter eggs everywhere because kids love that and they'll come for that. (laughs) And we want to just spend time with people who do not yet know Jesus as their saviour. We want to love them and we want to preach the love of God through the way we interact with each other and if God gives us opportunity to share who we are and, w- and what we believe in, then go for it. But we just want to love people who do not know Jesus yet, that they might have an opportunity to make a connection that might lead them to eternal life. And uh, we're so excited to, to have this opportunity. We've had different events with the, the fathers of Mott, um, the FOPs, the Fathers of Preschoolers. We've had a Father's Day brunches in the past and it's just been a, a really simple, easy way to connect. And I just want to ask this morning if every person here would be involved in this event. <laughs> Sherman's coming. <laughs> Amen. Um, now, I want to say that you may come and be involved in your presence in being there, but you may not be able to come on this day. You may not even feel like going to the picnic, but I want to encourage you to pray for that day. Pray that there would be connections made. Pray that there would be just a sense of the love of God among every person on that day. Pray that no kids would get hurt and every kid would say, I want to be a part of that stuff more. What else can we do, mum and dad? Pray that there'd be connections because we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world and we want people to make connections that they might know him. So come if you can, come if you want to, but please, every one of us, would we pray that God would move and have his way through that. As I say that, I'm thinking, some of you who come may feel like, oh man, I'm feeling uncomfortable already. Andrew wants me to get to know people I don't yet know. And that can be really awkward for some of us. But what's our series all about? Being transformed for a glorious purpose is god able to use you is god able to help you say hey how you going what's your name i think he can and i want to ask you to say god help me on that day and even on a sunday morning when i come to church to be a friendly person to be a person who says hey how you going Which one of these kids are yours? That one climbing up the tree and throwing stuff at people? Awesome, nice. (laughs) What school school do your kids go to? Think about some of the questions you can ask people and and be friendly. Because God can use you if you'll simply ask God to use you and be transformed. God, have your way through us. Let's move on. Verse 3. Paul says to Timothy, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. You know, there is a time coming, maybe it's even here, where some people will not listen to sound and wholesome teaching. And you know, we need to be so, 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 so careful. It's not that we be afraid and we be fearful and and worried about it, but we need to be careful about what we listen to. It says that people will gather around them, teachers that will teach whatever they want to hear. And as I read that, I think, well, I wonder what Paul was picturing when he said that. I wonder what Paul was imagining when he said that they'll gather teachers to teach them whatever they want to hear. Because to be honest, I think about Paul and I think about him saying that. And I think, 
What would that have looked like for them at that time? If I'm Timothy, if I'm going to gather teachers just to teach what I want to hear, I'm thinking, what do I pay for them to travel to come and see me? Or like, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, how do you gather teachers around you to teach you? Like, you have to be really rich and pay them to all come and teach what you want to hear. I don't know. But how do we gather teachers to, to, to hear whatever we want to hear today? It's pretty easy. You, you, you get on Google and you search whatever it is you want to hear about and you listen to a message all about it. And you know what happens? Every time you Google from that day forward, you'll hear more things about that theme and that topic and that, it'll come from that particular angle and perspective and, and, and whatever you search for on the internet, whatever you look at on the internet, it will bring you more of the same, more of the same and more of the same. The, the algorithm, it, it helps you to hear what you want to hear. And we need to be so, so careful. Not just if you're on the internet, but if you're talking with people who are, who are listening to things from a particular angle and perspective, that we don't become so isolated, so obsessed and, and, and consumed with what we believe and, and, and excluding everyone else, that we get into a very dangerous territory. We need to be so careful what we listen to. And I, I love listening to, to speakers and, and messages and people who think slightly different to me, that I would be challenged, that I would think through what I believe, that I want to have relationship and, and, and talk to people that I would be refined and like iron sharpening iron, that we would together come to more of a complete and full image of what Christ has for us. Let's not just shed ourselves in a little box and say, this is our bubble, we're staying here. Let's be a part of the church. Let's be having fellowship with others around us and, and, and listening to the whole counsel of the Word of God. It says they will follow their own desires. They will, be f- they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. You know, I want to suggest to you, whenever you hear some new teaching about some wonderful new thing that gives you opportunity to have something in God in some new and amazing way, it's possibly a little bit wacky. It's possibly a little bit off. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not complicated. It's come to Jesus. Jesus is our saviour. He is the fulfilment of God's promises and all we can have in, in God is through Christ. And the, the, the simplicity of the gospel confounds those who think they are wise. The Bible says that those who, who think they're wise, they, they want to confuse it and make it all these other things, but it's Jesus gave his life because we're sinners. It's that God loves the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son so that we could be set free. Don't listen to myths. Let's not chase after new and amazing, wonderful teachings because it's all in the gospel. And I hope in your heart you're saying amen. What was my next point? (laughs) Verse 5. He says, But you keep your head in all situations. When you hear that new, amazing, weird, wonderful, wacky teaching, keep your head. Don't just embrace it. Think about it. Pray about it. Look at other scriptures. Is this biblical? Is this true? Is this right? Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. In other words, hardship, keep your head. It's normal. Don't think God's abandoned you. Keep your head. Keep going. Keep pressing on. 
Do the work of an evangelist, even though you might not feel like an evangelist. Do the work of one. You know, the role of an evangelist is not to do all the evangelism, it's to equip the saints for the work of evangelism. It's the work of every disciple of Jesus Christ to tell people about Jesus and be evangelists, as in telling people about Jesus. Do the work of the evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. You know, I think we have a totally wrong view of calling. I think we can get totally messed up in the way we think about what our calling in God is. That we have some idea of God's called me to become this, to do this, to I'm going to be this for God. I think, yeah, sure, we all have different giftings. God uses us in different ways. But I believe we think about calling in a totally wrong way sometimes. I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus came, he gave his life as a sacrifice for sinners. And he says, come, follow me. He gave his life. And God has called us to lay down our life, not to look for what it is that we can become or do, but to say, God, what opportunity do you want me to step into? What is the opportunity you've given me to preach the message about Jesus? We're not at work doing what we do at work and just waiting that one day we can preach the gospel. No, you're in your workplace to preach the gospel through the way you live and the things you can share. Let's not wait for the calling. Let's not wait for that opportunity to become something, but just to simply serve and be in the place we are in. I believe that's the gospel. That's, that's the message. That's, that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Paul says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. He's about to die. And he's saying, you know what? My bucket is almost empty. I have poured my life into this, I was going to say calling. <laughs> and we have a calling in Christ, but it's simply to serve for God's glory. And Paul had poured his life out. He knew that everything that God had given him opportunity to do, he had, he had served, he had given, and he had poured his life out for the sake of the gospel. I want to get to the end of my life and not feel like I have a drop left in the bucket. I want to pour my life out for the glory of God. I don't want to wait for one day this opportunity to do something amazing for God, to go somewhere to do something and be something. I want to pour my life out today for the glory of God. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. I haven't been deceived to the left or the right, but I've finished the race. Point number three this morning, I want to encourage you to fight to finish the race. Because sometimes it's a struggle, sometimes it's a battle to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to keep going, to keep pressing on towards the goal. I want to encourage you this morning, write it down somewhere, stick it on your mirror if you have to, fight to finish the race. And you think about a, a, a physical race, you, you go to a school cross country, it's, it's hard to finish the race sometimes, you get puffed out, you, you get sore feet, your knees hurt, it's hard to press on sometimes, but we need to fight to finish the race. Because you know, I think Satan wants to psych you out, he wants to psych you out of the race and think, I can't do this, this is too hard, I know Jesus died for me, but hey, I'm going to take a back seat and just watch, 
I believe it's Satan's strategy just for you to, to say, you know what, I can't do this. I know Jesus is my saviour, but I can't preach for you, Jesus. I know I'm going to heaven, but I, I can't tell people about you. It's just too hard. I've messed up too much. I can't do it. It's Satan's strategy. You know, I, I was thinking about this and, and I thought of an analogy that hopefully you can understand this morning as I try and explain it. Uh, my, my favorite event as a cyclist was the track sprint. You know, on the velodrome, where they do the cat and mouse, they start off and the gun goes and they just like stand there on the bikes, they just don't move. You know, the, the one I'm talking about, give me a little wave. So, yep. So, they're, they're, and, and it's, it's, all, it's all about tactics. It's about trying to psych out your opposition. And you line up on the start line of, of, of the track sprint and the guys will have their, their mirrored glasses on and someone will be just like looking straight ahead. They won't even look at the other guy beside them. And other people will be like staring at him, just trying to psych him out. It's like, I'm going to beat you. It's like the 100 meters of cycling. It's, it's, and, and, and some people, they're, they're, they're long-range sprinters. It's only a sprint, but for three laps, some guys are great at going long distance, and they just want to start the sprint and go. And the other guys, they, they've got a really powerful last lap. They were, they're explosive, and they want to wait till that last lap to, to explode to the finish line and, and, and win the race. And it's all about tactics. You've got to know the, the, the track you're racing on. They're all different, different banking and the different tightness of the bends and to know when you can overtake and when it's harder to overtake. And you've got to know the tactics. But you're trying to psych out your opposition. I remember one time I was racing in Melbourne in the state championships and the guy actually ended up winning. He beat me. Um, <laughs> I started talking to him while we were riding along. He was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Didn't work, but I tried. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But there's, there's one thing, as a, as a, a sprinter, who uh, myself, I, I like to wait to the last lap to do that explosive finish. And it's something we would do called, in cycling, you can get boxed in. And if you, if you imagine a, a group finish, it's like you're, you're in a bunch of riders and you've got someone in front of you, you've got someone beside you, and maybe there's a fence or another rider beside you as well, and, and, and you get boxed in. There's like, there's no way to, to get out and to sprint for the line. You can't do it. And maybe... You, on the valley, actually, Sherman, can you help me? Yeah, good on you, man. I knew you'd help. So we're, we're, uh, we're riding on the track. He's, he's, he looks like he'd be a pretty good rider, actually. Um, and and, and we're, we're, we're riding for the sprint. Well, it's like there's two laps to go. Actually, we'll swap spots because I know we always turn left on the track and I'll try to box you in on that side, not that side. Anyway, so, so just as imagine there's a, there's a fence beside Sherman there. And I, and I know my tactic is to wait for the last minute. And so... I would come up beside Sherman and I'd like be slightly in front of him and just box him in. He can't come down because I'm in the way and I'm going to hip and shoulder him back that way into the fence if he tries too hard. And <laughs> No, not really. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> where, where am I going? Move on, Andrew. And, and to come around me, he's either going to get a lot of speed to go past me or he's actually got to pretty much stop to get back around behind me because you don't have brakes and you can't slow down. And... So I've boxed him in, and he, he cannot use the power that he has to win the race, because he's, he's, he's boxed in, he's trapped. Thanks, Jim. I hope, you, hope that helps. <laughs> you know, Satan's tactic is he wants to box you in. Your life has power. Your life has power to be for the glory of God, but Satan wants to box you in. He wants to stop you living and, and moving and doing the things that God's called you to do. He doesn't want you to, to live your life, to pour your life out for God's glory in any way, shape, or form. 
He's going to try and make you get discouraged. He's going to try and make you get boxed in and, and, and depressed. He's going to try and make you feel unworthy. He's going to try and make you feel incapable. But don't let him do it. God has called you. God has appointed you. He has, has called you by name. He knows you. Jesus broke every chain that binds us. He has set the captives free. We are not held captive by our sin any longer. Your life has power, and I want to encourage you, break free from the distractions. Break free from the discouragement. Break free from the doubt. Break free from the fear. Break free from whatever it might be that holds you back. If you're among a group of people who, who just say, oh, you know, I think you've got to be careful. That's probably not you. Hang around with some other people who are encouraged to say, yeah, go for it. Well, don't just look for people who's saying whatever your itching ears want to say either, but there's a balance. Break free so that you can run and live and communicate and preach the hope you have in Jesus. And maybe you're saying, but Andrew, I can't. I just, how can I? I've messed up so much. It's just not who I am, Andrew. How can I do it? I want to just say simply, look to him. Look to him. Look at Jesus when you wake up day by day, when you feel overwhelmed by what you know you have to do. Just look at Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus, that you are worthy of my life, that your sacrifice was not in vain, that you gave your life that I could be set free, that I could know you and that I could be for your glory. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Consider him. Think about what he endured. Think about what he did because he loves you. Think about what he did because he loves your neighbor, your friend at work, that person you know. Think about what he did. In the verse before in Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us have our eyes so focused on him. Let's be so aware of him moment by moment, day by day, that we cannot forget about his goodness, his grace, and his mercy. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the one who has begun it, and the one who is the perfecter of our faith, the one who will carry on to completion the good work he's begun in us. Let us fix on our eyes on him who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Maybe there's some shame involved with you preaching the word of God. Just scorn its shame. Love that word. Scorn its shame. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus has won the victory. He is able Let's keep our eyes on him. I just want to read Philippians 2, and I'll ask if the band could come as we come to a close. Philippians 2, verse 6 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue can confess, declare, believe, and know. And every other adjective you want to add in there too, because I messed up that translation. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, let's be people who preach the Word of God. Let's break free for a glorious purpose. Let's break free and run and live and communicate the truth, the hope that we have in Jesus. He is the answer to the world. I was going to say it's not toilet paper. (laughs) But I mentioned it again. Whoops, sorry. Jesus is the hope of the world. We have nothing to fear. Let's live it. Let's communicate it. Let's tell people. Let's not get boxed in. Let's not get discouraged. But let's rise up as His church and tell people the truth. Can we stand as we pray together now? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who has set us free. That Lord Jesus, you gave your life on the cross. You you were the perfect sacrifice for our sin, that we could be forgiven, that we could be made whole and righteous in your sight. And God, I just pray that you would break every chain, that you would set us free from those chains that bind us, Lord. Any discouragement, any, any doubts, any fears, that God, we would rise up as your people that, God, we would know the truth and we would live it and we would communicate it to the world around us. Lord God, we just pray for the words to say in the moments we have opportunity. And God, we just pray that you'd help us to live a life that that reflects the hope that we have in you. God, let us pour out our life for your glory, God, I pray. Let us be a church that truly lives and communicates the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because God, it is the hope of the world. It is our joy. It is our privilege to know you and be used by you for your glory. And God, we just want to say thank you for all you've done. We're going to finish this morning by singing how great is our God. We're going to lift our voices and sing it. How great is our God. And I pray that this week you will just have revelation after revelation as you open the Word, as you drive down the street, as you go where you go, that you will just have revelation. How great is our God.